Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 37. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. If you're new here to the podcast, every Monday I release a brand new episode where I interview people that are living a rootless lifestyle, and we discuss what that lifestyle looks like for them now and how they got started. Today I'm talking to Chris and Sarah, the duo behind Let's Be Us, and we discuss what it took to downsize to hit the road in a van, and now they're actually downsizing even more. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I wanna welcome Chris and Sarah to the show. Chris, Sarah, how are you guys doing? Doing well today, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks for asking. Good, thanks for having us. I'm excited to have you guys on board. Now, where are you right now in the world? We are currently in Chattanooga, Tennessee. What brought you guys to Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually originally from the Chattanooga area. So um, just with everything going on, we are taking a couple of months to just lay low and we're just enjoying being home for a bit. That, and we're actually uh, building out our Sprinter van. Yeah, I should have led with that actually. Yeah, that's our <laughs> biggest project right now. So we're building on our new camper van right now, which is pretty time consuming. Nice. So it sounds like you're making good use of kind of the downtime. I mean, I have heard that the RV mod renovation is just on fire in the last three months because people are like, hey, if we're going to be down, let's go ahead and work on stuff. Now, what do you guys consider yourself? Full timers, part timers, some timers? Um, generally full time. Yeah. I mean, this has just sort of changed things, but yeah, full time. We've been full time since 2018. Mm -hmm. So almost two years. Nice. And what are you guys traveling in now? Is it the same rig you're working on or was it a different one? So we actually bought a, uh, a 2018 Mercedes Sprinter. And then, um, we traveled in that for, I guess about a year and a half. And then we sold that and we bought a new Mercedes Sprinter, but it's even shorter than the last one. So, so, nice. so I think we're insane a little bit, but, um, yeah, we went from a 170 extended Mercedes Sprinter to a 144, uh, Mercedes Sprinter. And what does that do in regards to feet? Like what was the old so one? What was we, the new one? In length? So we lost about two and a half no, feet? No, we lost five feet. Five feet. Oh. Yeah, our last one was about 24 feet or 24 and a half. And now we're around 19 or 19 and a half feet long. And that's including like the engine and the cab area. So about 10 feet of interior living area. So wow. it's kind of small, but it's we like it, yeah. I think. And I think, I mean, we're, I mean, obviously we're still in the building process right now. But the one thing I think we gave up um, is the oven yeah yeah so i mean like but everything else in our last build should you know be be there and the the bed the, the dining area all that good stuff so no more baked goods that's what you're telling me <laughs> yeah that's that's actually a hard thing to give up but yeah i mean for the most part everything like chris said is going to be there but the yeah we're going to miss fresh baked bread and that kind of cookies really <laughs> we're going to miss cookies <laughs> Well, I definitely want to talk about the rig more, but let's real quick, let's go back to 2018 before you guys took off. What were you guys doing for work and where were you guys living? Yeah, we were actually living in Seattle, Washington, and uh, I've been, I've owned my own business for, for several years, uh, going on the better part of 12 years now. And so uh, I do a lot of like branding and marketing and uh, I, I kind of call myself like a, a handyman for, for marketers because I'm able to go in and do a lot of graphics or website, whatever the, the client needs. And so we were working and living in Seattle, um, doing a, a freelance business. And uh, a lot of, during the entire time that I've been working, I've had people tell me all the time that um, 
you know, you could work from anywhere. And that's true. And that's why we chose Seattle uh, at the present time. And then, um, yeah. Yeah, I Chris has owned his own business for over a decade. But I actually was when we first moved to Seattle, I was working for um, a nonprofit based out of Florida, actually. So it was my first experience working full-time remotely. Um, and it just sort of gave us a taste of what life could be and sort of introduced us to the whole digital nomad life. And um, so I was working for a nonprofit and then I quit my job prior to hitting the road um, and just sort of went a little bit freelance with Chris's business because it was growing and that kind of thing. It's a, Honestly, our whole work situation is a little confusing because <laughs> we work together, but we also have separate stuff going on. But um, yeah, I guess that's sort of where we were pre life on the road is just living in Seattle, working for typical clients. And, um, I guess our taste for living life on the road really started after we got married in 2016 in Seattle. Um, after being there for a couple of months, we packed up and went to Thailand for two months and we're working our full-time jobs from Southeast Asia, which is really cool. And that was our first chance of, wow, we could definitely do something like this full time because we just love the ability just to travel and work at the same time. It was, it was really cool. It's sustainable. Yeah. Having remote work before you decide to go full-time RVing is a huge help because that's really one of the biggest obstacles, especially if you don't have kids. I mean, for other people, it's, you know, are you homeschooling and remote work now? It's easy to make the transition. So you guys already had kind of a leg up there, which is really nice. Fun fact, I was born in Seattle. You know, oh, yeah, but very nice. We love that place. Like legitimately underneath the Space Needle, you know. In oh, wow. very cool. Yeah. Well, we could see, we were on Capitol Hill, so we could there you see are. the Space Needle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. And I'm almost wondering if, you know, this is a thesis that I haven't really done any studying, so, you know, don't hold me to it, but do RVing for a vacation, is it really stressful? You know, if you don't own the RV, if you're renting an RV and, you know, you're prepping a week, you're gone a week, and then you got to come home and like have a vacation from your vacation, does that mess with the idea? I wonder, because it's so odd to me that there's very few people that have had this like in their background, unless they're retired. But I mean, as far as like working still on the road, most people have never done RVing before. They've, you know, little family vacations here, there, but they didn't own an RV. They didn't transition down. It was legitimately, they made a decision, bought that portable vehicle and got rid of the house. Were you guys renting or did you guys own in Seattle? Oh, we were renting. Yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, it was a little expensive. Yeah, <laughs> so. and that was actually sort of the push to why why we do what we do now. Going, you know, getting into the van is because the building that we were in sold to a different uh, owner, and then they began to charge. They started raising the rent uh, all across the board, and so it just got to, to be too expensive. And we're like, you know what? We could probably take this money and travel, you know, the country for the amount of money that we're paying for rent to to stay in one place. Yeah, when we left, the idea was to travel and to really get out of debt, which sounds nuts. And and again, you're coming from Seattle. It makes sense. It's not going to make sense for everyone. And me coming out of Los Angeles, it made a lot of sense. It was going to be a lot cheaper to have this kind of a lifestyle than anything really in and around Los Angeles. And so I totally get it. Like that's, it's a smart choice. And and what I what I want to know is that Sarah, it sounds like you you left your job before you went on in the van mm -hmm. which is i was almost hoping you still did because i wanted to hear even though you're remote what your employer would have thought because it's funny to me that i have talked to people where that is an issue and it's like what does it matter if you're working from your corner of your house a starbucks or in the back of a van looking at a lake you feel like the yeah. back of the van looking at the lake is going to be a better employee why would you not want that and it's just it's unfortunate i mean it's not unfortunate for you that you left it's unfortunate for me and my podcast that i can't ask you that question but it is interesting right. was there a fear that oh. they wouldn't do oh. it or something 
No, not at all. Actually, I feel like I can speak to it a little bit because I was working for the same employer when we were in Thailand and there was, you know, a 12 hour time difference between I, I just woke up early and did, you know, conference calls and that kind of thing. But they actually, that was what, I think two or three months into working for this company. And I told them, I was like, Hey, my husband and I have an opportunity to go to Thailand for a couple of months. Is that okay? And they thought about it for two days and like, yeah, have fun. <laughs> just make sure you're on the conference calls. And it was a great, it was, they were actually really pretty easy to work with on that. Um, that's not why I quit with them. It really just wasn't a great fit anymore um, professionally, but no, I think they would have been really okay with it. Actually, I'm still sort of friends with my boss and I've seen that he has since actually purchased an RV and is traveling, I think part-time or full-time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think they would have been open to it. And I think if anything comes out of COVID, I think we may be seeing more and more people flexible with the whole idea of working from anywhere kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and I can sort of speak to that because I actually had clients who they thought I was not going to be stable enough, you know, uh, driving or, you know, traveling the entire time. I mean, they were used to working with me remotely, but something, there was this like disconnect of, oh, you're not going to have your own place. You're going to be traveling full time. And so it, it did take a little bit of convincing to them be like, no, nothing changes. I mean, yeah, it changes for me. I've got to, you know, find internet wherever I can, but the outcome, the outcome shouldn't affect you. Um, and, you know, and that just took time, you know, it took time to, uh, they had to invest, you know, in, in trust in me and I had to make sure that, uh, like I was doing my job and, and doing everything correctly. So did you have much face to face time with your clients? I would have, I would have those like zoom meetings sometimes. Um, but never one of the in clients, real life, but never like where you the, could reach out and touch them where you have to wear a mask kind of a thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, most of my work was all remote. Um, and then they, I mean, as far as like touching base with clients, I did have one client that they, they were the type of people that would schedule meetings to have meetings. And so I think that's what scared them the most was that um, I would start saying no to a lot more of uh, just unnecessary meetings and trying to be more intentional with, you know, with our time and um, and just the way that we handle, handle things. And so it, it, it's worked out. Um, but it was definitely like a little learning curve at first for them, at least. What would be your advice real quick? I mean, we're going to transition into work, but you know, for me, I told my, who I was working for at the time that I was moving to Texas, which was the plan. I just didn't happen to mention that I'm going to be RVing around Texas to figure out where in Texas. <laughs> full disclosure. When I interviewed for the job in 2016, I don't think I actually even really knew that I was going to leave in June of 2017 in an RV, but I did know I was moving to Texas. Like I, that was my thought process. I'm leaving California. Once my kid graduates and I'm heading to Texas, but I did kind of keep it under wraps. Like I wasn't super vocal on social media. Cause you know, obviously a lot of the people I was working with were connected because of fear. I've heard people have situations where they have remote clients. They're never with them face to face. And they mm -hmm. had them drop when they heard they were going to do this lifestyle, which is so funny to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm not that I believe in not being transparent, but I'm almost like, do you do the lifestyle for like six months and then tell people? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not going to be good for us. Well, just so you know, I've been doing it for six months and you didn't notice. <laughs> so, or do you yeah. just need to let them know ahead of time? What are your guys' thoughts? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard, I mean, thankfully I haven't been in that position, but I don't, I don't know what I would do in that position because I, I'm always that person who wants to be above and beyond honest, but at the same time, like, I don't know if it's what you feel like you're supposed to do it. You know, your boundaries and you know how, I think how you're traveling is going to greatly determine 
if you can keep it a secret, if that makes sense. So if you're one of those people who spends a lot of time off grid, then I don't know that you should not tell your boss because you may not be as, I don't know, help me out, Chris. Well, I mean, (laughs) it's all about perception too. You know, like if you're on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, and you're showcasing these amazing, you know, mountain views or whatever, and then your client or whoever you're working for sees that, you know, on a Monday afternoon when you post that, and they're like, well, obviously their attention's to something else and not fully devoted to the, the job or the work. And so I, while I love, I mean, we, we try to be honest and authentic in everything that we do. I am under the mindset, though, sometimes honesty can, um, in that regard, can hurt you uh, just because of the people have these like preconceived ideas that you're not going to get the work done or that it changes your mindset on their work. And so in my mind, I'm like, like, you know what, I probably would do the traveling for, you know, a little bit, get it under control, not tell anybody about it. And then, um, and then address it later and be like, Hey, yeah, I have been doing it for, for six months. I, that's kind of my mindset of what I would do. I would agree with that. I mean, if you're already fully remote, if that's a job that you've taken on and they know that you work from wherever, essentially, then I don't think the employer should be able to dictate where you're doing it from or no. how you're doing it. I mean, that seems a little bit. Well, it's, I mean, it, it, it is just about perception. It's mm-hmm. just like, I mean, Instagram or social media in general, is just this billboard of, you know, it's like a highlight reel. And uh, when people see that or they, they hear this like over glamorized, you know, van life or digital nomad life, um, I, I think it's hard for them to get past that. No, without a doubt. Yeah, it is a it's a trickery slope. And I think it's one of those things that you have to you have to kind of feel out your clients or your boss and kind of do what's best for you. But there are, I believe in both options and not that I believe in lying or being deceitful, but if you are remote you're remote and it shouldn't really matter. But I do like whether you're remote or stationary, I'm sorry, whether you're traveling or stationary remote worker, let's get rid of meetings about meetings. Like that's the, (laughs) probably the greatest thing about zoom is like, if there's more than one person on, it's got a 40 minute time limit. I think that has changed the the corporate culture so much because everyone's got these free zoom accounts and it's like, we got to figure this out in 40 minutes or we all get disconnected. <laughs> I think that's probably hard too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or can this be done in an email? Let's figure that out. <laughs> it, it's weird though. It, you know, I mean, to be just kind of sidetracked on the email thing, there are times where it's like, I would just wish we could get on the phone real quick. We could end this back and forth email madness in like a two minute phone call. But then there are times <laughs> where there's a meeting or a phone call where it's like, oh my gosh, that totally could have been an email. You know, and yeah. it, it's the battle back and forth. <laughs> You know, before the whole COVID thing, what was your guys' travel schedule like? How did you guys travel? Did you have a little bit of a schedule, time frame? Sounds like you guys are kind of on the go. Yeah, we are on the go. Um, I don't think we travel as fast as some or as slow as others, but we we typically follow good weather just because we don't really like cold weather. So we spend our winters, uh, the last two winters in the van, we spent mostly in Florida and Texas and that kind of thing. Um, but that's our general, I guess, travel itinerary is just go where the weather's good. So um, last summer, we spent time up in the Pacific Northwest and did Alaska and Canada and Washington, all that good stuff. And then that was sort of the plan again for this year. But, you know, things got derailed. But we like to keep our schedule loose enough that we have the freedom to stay in places that we are surprised by and actually really like um, a little longer than what we may have thought we would wanted to originally. Um, but then vice versa, we like to be able to keep our schedule loose enough that we can just leave a place if it's not what we anticipated what do you say chris no i agree with that there there are some places that oh we we really do like to be surprised you know when we go to a different location and there are some places that surprise us and we want to stay longer and so we do and then there are other places where we 
roll in and then roll immediately right out. (laughs) (laughs) I know some people on the road, they like to really schedule out um, where they're going to be, you know, for months in advance. And I think a lot of that comes from they are working on the road and their jobs require that. Um, but for us, we do have the freedom just to sort of come and go as we please. And and then, I mean, as long as we have internet connection on the days that we need internet connection, that's really the only only hindrance. And I mean, we have cell phones and um, hotspots. And, and so typically, like anywhere in the country where we're able to go. Yeah, we like to be pretty spontaneous. And just if we hear of somewhere new that sounds cool, or if a friend says, hey, do you guys want to come? you know, stay here and visit us for a little bit. We'll go a few hours all the way just to see a friend we haven't seen in a long time. That's one of our favorite things about traveling is just, you know, sort of connecting the dots between friends all the way across the country. And yeah, I guess that's sort of our route. That's very cool. Now, do you guys do like traditional campgrounds, state parks, boondocking, driveways? What's kind of been the norm? Yeah, we do a myriad of all of those things. So um, whether it's campgrounds or uh, BLM land. Um, we are a part of a, a, a what, what's it called? A, a group called Harvest Host. We you know where you can camp at uh, wineries or um, or um, vineyards and and all golf. Sorts of yeah, all sorts of things. So yeah, it's really kind of whatever the area has to offer. We haven't done any um, like driveway boondocking with yeah, people. We haven't done boondockers welcome yet. But we've done like friends driveways and stuff. I mean, our favorites mm-hmm. are probably more you know boondocking out on BLM or National Forest. And if that's not an option, we do, you know, National Park or County Park. We prefer the more rural places if we can. If we're going to pay for a campground, we want it to be somewhere really pretty, I think. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. So real quick with the van, with you guys downsizing in size, what was the decision behind that? Was it just too big or is it just, you know, you needed something different, new? Like explain why we uh, we switched rigs. Yeah, um, so we bought our first van. I had seen van life online, like everybody else probably has. And the idea was super appealing, but I'd only ever tried RVs. And so I told Chris, you know, if we're going to hit the road in, in a van, I knew it would probably need to be the biggest of the vans possible, which is why we went with the, the Mercedes 170 extended. It's pretty much the biggest van frame you can get. Um, we wanted to have, you know, a kitchen and a shower and a, a full permanent bed in the van and that kind of thing, just to ease our way into it and while that van served us well it was a lot of van not too much van. when we got around major cities like Chicago and Seattle and all kinds of places but um, we realized we could do with even less and I think that's really where the idea of maybe we go smaller you know our van took up about one and a half parking spots and the the new van fits in one parking spot it's about the same size as just a pickup truck Um, and while our last van wasn't impossible to park by any means and we tell people that all the time um, there is a little bit of additional freedom in our new van and it's a four by four. So we're going to be able to get even more places than what we could have in our last van. And I, the other, the other motive behind going smaller was we know that there's a good chance we're going to go part-time in the not so distant future. Um, just really the idea was to make room for more international travel, but obviously that's sort of been put on hold. So we went ahead and went smaller in anticipation that sooner rather than later, we can use the van to travel to our favorite places around the country, but also incorporate more international travels while having a home base. Yeah. And that, I think that was one of the things that we realized while traveling full time for, you know, the past year and a half, two years is that, you know, even though we would, you know, be in these amazing locations or, you know, uh, we never had that downtime. Um, I mean, we would have downtime and we, w- we would relax, but there was just not like we still had stuff in storage and that was, 
um, like we're trying to figure out like, do we just need to get rid of all of that or do we need to find a different place? And so, and then after traveling for so long, um, I think we realized that, hey, we can still travel and do the same lifestyle, but it would be really nice to just to have a home base, just to rest for um, a few weeks or a month, uh, you know, out of the year and then go back and travel again and um, not have to, not have to worry about, um, you know, different variables, because when you're full time, and you're traveling as much, you know, as we we do, I mean, every time you go into a new city or a, a, a new, you know, place, you're always trying to find out where fresh water is, where the dump is, where, you know, what's a good street to, um, to go, or where's a good coffee shop to go work at, or is there a working co-working space, and so there's all these different variables, and, you know, after a while, it's like, it would it would be not it would just be nice to be in, in one place for just a little bit so you can have a rhythm get get what you need to get done and then go back on out on the road i i think i need to clarify for chris though when chris says go somewhere and work or go somewhere and rest for a while what he really means is go home and actually catch up on work for a while that's <laughs> sort of restful to us just be able to you know get to the bottom of our email box catch up on projects and then take a sigh of relief kind of thing i think traveling as a digital nomad, it is completely possible to travel full-time um, and work on the road successfully, but it definitely has a different flow. And so our hope is that maybe one day um, we could get a home base and then, you know, work, 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 and then go back out on the road and be able to shut our laptops more than what we did when we were working and traveling full-time. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm hearing this more and more um, from full-timers and I've been, you know, thinking about it for the last year and a half is the, the, the home base, the homestead, something very small that I could go back to and hunker down for a little while, maybe do some some modifications or any kind of repairs that need to be done on the rig, but still live a life that I'm allowed to be wheels up in five minutes, 10 minutes if I needed to. And what I think is interesting about that is now it really opens up the possibilities of where that home base is. And then you really start getting to where you can just find amazing pieces of property for nothing because if you're not relying on it being like close to a big city or you know for me i want to be 500 miles away from ikea at all times like that's my, <laughs> if you have an ikea your city is way too big for me and i want to be way away yeah. from there <laughs> yeah we get that I mean, we yeah. love major cities and rural places but you're right i mean living as a digital nomad it's sort of chris always says it's a blessing and a curse it, it is a blessing and a curse because you get to go to anywhere you have all these amazing places but that's also the curse is that now you've seen all these amazing places and you're like well i could live anywhere and then there's too many options to live you know and so it's trying to like narrow down oh you know do we really like this place or do we like it when we're traveling you know because we can exit you know and so there's just all these different choices. People ask us all the time, where do you think you'll settle down one day? And first of all, I don't know that we'll ever fully settle down. But um, secondly, we have no idea. You know, sometimes we say Maine and other times we say Montana or Washington or Georgia. We have no idea. It's because we fall in love with so many places along the way. It makes it really difficult. Well, let's transition a little to work. I know we've kind of sporadically, it's been involved in this conversation, but let's just deep dive. So what exactly it is, I mean, I love the analogy of a handyman for, you know, marketing. I think that's really kind of smart. It does convey exactly what it is, but let's talk about exactly what it is and like where people can find it if they wanted to. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, is like my personal like branding website and everything like that. Um, and so I do a lot of work with 
authors or um, nonprofits and different businesses, you know, and it ranges from branding to video work. But I think for us, for Sarah and I, we actually have ventured out into our own business um, about travel. And we have like my whole community online that um, we love to be a part of. And it's called Let's Be Us. And it's just really about our travel adventures and how to live this digital nomad, you know, lifestyle. And, and um, whether it's working, you know, from Alaska or, you know, going somewhere in New York City or, you know, and so we, we love showcasing that. And so we've been doing that um, full time for, I guess, two years now. Year and a half. Yeah, year and a half. Yeah. But I mean, our full time jobs are still going. That's slowly growing as, you know, my job, I guess, is sort of turning into more of the let's be us, like our personal brand. But Chris is still working his full-time job on the road. Yeah, so it's really a combination. I mean, Chris Chris is a creative genius and somehow our talents sort of blend together and we're both creative people. And our, our let's be us stuff is really more of like, it started out as a passion project and it just sort of has grown into a business, like a side hustle, which is slowly turning into a full-time job. And I, I wish we could say exactly what it is we do, but it really is a lot of everything. And I think that's pretty common among people in our demographic who are entrepreneurs and digital nomads on the road. Yeah. And I mean, if COVID has taught us anything, you know, it's that we have to pivot when, when obstacles happen, you know, and as I've been a freelancer for, you know, I guess going on 12 years now. And so I've, I'm used to pivoting when, when something's not working or if something needs to change, you know, I, I got my start by doing like a business card. And so I started doing graphic design, but then somebody said, Oh, I really need a video. And so I started learning video editing and, and uh, went after people who needed, you know, video editing. And, and so we've constantly have to, to pivot, to, you know, just to, just to survive or <laughs> and do things like that. So and our interests change too over time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like I started out in photography and that's a little bit of my background. And, you know, as videography becomes more of a thing, um, it's, I feel like it's more popular photography now. I've pivoted a little bit and started learning more of video. I mean, Chris has taught me so much, but I have, I have a lot to learn still. So I don't know. I mean, we do a little bit of everything, I guess, is the vague answer. I think it's smart. I mean, I think anyone that's really, if you're working for yourself or working for others, I always feel like there should be like diversified a hundred percent, you know, have some interesting side hustles. Cause you just never know. I mean, I've been just in the last, you know, obviously a couple months, I've seen so many friends lose their job that they thought they would have forever. And they just mm -hmm. never had anything on the back end or on the side. Yeah. And they worked for people that didn't want them to have something on the side. Now, where are they at? They didn't have the loyalty from the job that was like, Hey, we don't want, we want your entire focus. But then they also don't have, you know, a year or two of working on some side business that maybe they could transition all the way. So I think having a real kind of interesting portfolio across the board that allows you to kind of ebb and flow as things happen and then having different streams of income is really smart. And I think anytime yeah. that you can take your your lifestyle and document it and get people interested and in wanting to follow you, because I mean, that's where it becomes very specific you know, where probably most people are really interested kind of in the van life. And I'm a big believer there's no right way or wrong way to live this lifestyle. I mean, people do it different. People get very passionate about, well, I would never do it in a van, let's say. I'm six foot seven. A van's probably not going to be the best thing <laughs> for me, right? You know, I mean, but that's okay. And a fifth wheel it's is true, perfect. Yeah. And I don't get and where people get hung up in it. Like we're in different sides of a gang, you know? It's your van's yeah. not red and my fifth wheel's not blue. We don't have to go that level. 
Yeah, and that's, that's so true. It is very true. And that's something that we've experienced, you know, in the van world, you know, we're not, because a lot of times they call them like dirt bags, right? You know, like the guy from um, Free Solo, like they sleep on a, a wooden pallet in their van and they're ready to go rock climb the next morning. And then you've got the whole like glamping crowd who, you know, just, you know, they've got every every component or every cool gadget and they're ready to, you know, it looks like they're pulling you know, 35 TVs into a campsite. And then here we are where we, we feel like we fall in the middle, like n- neither camp. Like we like it. We like to go off grid, but we also like, you know, um, clean, I don't know, like clean. Homey design. Van. Yeah. Homey van. And so, and we've had some pushback from people in both camps of like, well, you're not really doing it right. Or you're not, you don't know what you're talking about because you don't, you know, you don't do whatever. And so it's just interesting. People put their stakes down and yeah. I mean, I think this whole lifestyle is so different for everyone. It's very, we say this all the time. It's very personal. Um, everybody just does it so differently and we know what works for us. And I think depending on what you do for work or where you want to travel or how often you're going to travel really dictates what's best for you. And, and that's where it comes back to. We wish we had tried van life. We always tell people go try van life or RV life before you hit the road. Cause you don't know what you really like or what what's really going to work for you. Thankfully we got it right the first time, but who knows if it's going to fit us forever either. So I mean, I think people are constantly growing and changing. I mean, that was one of the big reasons we decided on the name Rootless was instead of, let's say, full-time RV or, you know, or some to that effect, because I didn't want a pigeonhole and I wanted to find people that are doing it. And we've had some, I didn't know you could be a, an international pet sitter. I had them on the show. I didn't know that was a thing that people yeah. basically <laughs> say, come stay in my home for six months here in Germany while we're gone and watch my turtle. I literally did not know that was a thing, you know, and it's like, that's why we didn't want to sign me up right now. Actually, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, he did have some pretty bad horror stories too, where, you know, if you have a, if you have a dog, just in case you're listening, if you have a dog, you cannot have one of those remote vacuums. You just can't because you, especially when you're not home, because if there's an accident and one of those vacuums hit it, now it's an, it's an accident in every room in your house. So just know that you're thinking about getting all high tech, you know, digital. Oh my gosh. I do think it's interesting that you guys downsized. I mean, I'm, I went from, I think the largest home I ever had was probably about 2,500 square feet. Before I left LA, I was in like maybe a 1,200 or something like that. And then now to 400. But I actually really do feel I could go smaller, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's an interesting concept is, you know, that once you guys got out there and you're doing this traveling, that you did notice that because of the length, it did stop some of the things that you guys wanted to do. And I, I honestly, obviously 40 feet, I'm pulling 41 and a half. It stops a lot of things I want to do, but it's been okay. We work around it. We understand that we're, you know, the rig stops us from being able to do what we want to do, but I'm also like running a business. I'm inside of my rig sometimes, you know, the entire time. So it makes sense. And I, I really want to encourage people that you just got to, you know, find out what works for you, you know, and, and, and not try to just say, Ooh, that looks really interesting because of how much it's interesting for you. It's kind of like the question where people ask, should I get a class A or a fifth wheel? People answer why they like it, which is a good answer, mm-hmm. but that might have nothing to do with you. Like someone legitimately, mm-hmm. you have to get a class A. And when you find out the answer, it's because the spouse has to pee every 50 miles. <laughs> and a class A makes total sense then. She can get up and pee while you're still going. But for someone else, it doesn't make sense. So it's just one of those things where there is not a right or wrong way to do it. And I'll always talk about that. Uh, getting back to work real quick, the pros and cons that you guys have seen. Obviously, you're stationary remote, remote, and now you're travel remote. What have been some of the pros and cons? And uh, I mean, I, honestly, obviously, internet's gonna be an issue. But besides that, what have been <laughs> yeah. some pros and cons? 
Hmm. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, Wi-Fi was the first thing that popped in my head. Um, I think routine. Um, It's definitely harder to have a routine when you're traveling. And I mean, personally, I don't love routine and I'm sitting here saying this, Chris does love routine. So we've tried to find that balance. So in some ways, um, I guess being stationary is easier on both of us because we can, I don't know, get into the flow of a normal like work, work out, um, and just enjoy our days like that, that daily flow that most, I guess, most normal people have. Um, but you know, the perk of being on the road is that you do get to see all these different places. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've been able to work in some of the most amazing parts of the country, which has just been amazing to be able to be inside, you know, the van and, and, you know, you're working on something and you close the laptop and then walk outside and you just got this amazing view of mountains or lakes and then you know on the flip side of that I love experiences I love going to like I love experiencing different coffee shops or whatever different you know cities have to offer but sometimes um one of the cons with that is like I will find a really cool coffee shop that I want to work work at but then the internet you know or something doesn't work to where it's not very um work friendly like we were in Vancouver Island and I went into this super like hipster coffee shop. I'm like, this is the dream. This is really cool. I sat down and then I noticed they didn't have an internet signal. And I went up to the barista and I'm like, hey, do you have internet here? And you know, she just responded back, we don't support that kind of thing here. <laughs> and so I, like you, you come up with, you know, just situations like that where it can be a little frustrating. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the pros definitely outweigh the cons. For us. Yeah. yeah. I think life on the road definitely keeps you on your toes. You never know what, what to expect. You're always, you know, searching for the basic necessities of like, where's the closest grocery store? Where's the next Wi-Fi spot? Or where am I going to find water? At least for us. I mean, um, those are just some daily things that take up more of our, our everyday life when we're on the road. Whereas, you know, if we're at home, um, we don't have to think about those. So our workflow is a little bit more efficient, you know, we're in a typical apartment versus on the road. But like Chris said, I think the the pros of traveling full time definitely outweigh the, the cons for us. Let's move into explore a little. Um, what I like to find out from people is what are you guys doing when you're not traveling and you're not working? What are the things that really kind of uh, light you up? What is it that you like to get out and do? Oh man, I think just this may be too too vague of an answer, but just exploring the places we're visiting. Like we get out to get out and walk, whether it's hiking or going for a bike ride, and just really trying to take in the the areas, even if it's like the culture of the town, like what makes this town special and try to get a feel for the people. I mean, to us, people are such a huge part of the places we're visiting. Like we want to get like, why do you live here? What do you do when you're here? And I think that's sort of a hobby in and of itself for us. And, you know, like our, our YouTube channel and that kind of stuff started as a hobby just for our own, our own enjoyment as a way to document our travels and that kind of thing. And so it's a, it's really a passion project. We wouldn't do it unless we loved it. So that's, it's a little bit of work, but it's also our free time. So I think anything that gets us outdoors and experiencing different things, as many things as we possibly can. I mean, that's really, those are our biggest hobbies on the road. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I think, you know, Sarah and I, um, how we met was actually on a, a, a cross-country bicycling tour. And so cycling is still one of like Sarah's favorite like hobbies to do, to be able to ride around town or ride in different places. And so, um, yeah, that's sort of like being able to explore whether it's a familiar place or not. It's probably just a 
Yeah, we have like a cycling bucket list of places that we want to hit up around the country of like these epic cycling routes. And so I guess in our free time when we're traveling, that stuff we try to knock off, although we're a little bit behind right now. You made me cut this out. I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's all. I just <laughs> cut that out if you need to. <laughs> I, completely just I, might, I might leave that in because it's just kind of fun and real. I might leave that in. We'll see. But do you guys have a do you guys have a favorite place that you guys have stayed in where it's been like where it's felt like home and you were surprised by that? Mm. Oh, Montana all the time. <laughs> I love at least for me. Yeah, Montana and then Portland, Maine. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I for for me, Maine, I had no expectations. I just thought they were just wilderness people that live in snow and then when and like we, lobsters and like lobsters and when we got there, I mean like it just blew my mind. Um I just really really enjoyed Maine a lot. We definitely have our favorite parts. I mean, Montana, Washington, Oregon. I mean, even like the low country, like South Carolina, Georgia, those are some of our favorite areas and each for different reasons. But I don't know, that's like the hardest question. I don't think I can ever fully answer that one. Well, if you ended up with a homestead, do you think you would end up somewhere that would have snow? Or do you feel like you would want to keep it in an area that wouldn't? Would you guys want to end up being snowbirds or? Because Montana gets snow and Maine gets snow. (laughs) They do. They do. This is like the question we ask ourselves almost daily, if not multiple times a day of where do we really want to end up? Um, Because our favorite places are like, you know, Bozeman or Whitefish, Montana or Portland, Maine, and they do get a heck of a lot of snow. I, I think we'll probably settle for somewhere a little bit warmer. Um, Living in Seattle, it was definitely hard for me to have, you know, rainy, bad weather, you know, six to nine months a year. And we learned that about ourselves coming from somewhere sunny like the South. So I think realistically we'll probably settle somewhere a little sunnier and then travel when travel away when it gets really hot and then come back when it's more moderate in the winter. I feel that it's funny with Portland, Maine for me, it's just so weird that that was the original Portland and now the other Portland is probably more popular when you say you know, Portland. Um, yeah. And I have learned too, obviously, and I don't know if you guys knew this going into full-time, you know, I just can't believe how many big cities have the same name or I mean even Las Vegas I remember being in New Mexico and and driving it said Las Vegas 50 miles and I was like how how's that possible <laughs> like what what highway did I miss how could I be in the, I mean I literally had that brain fart where I was like yeah. oh there's another Las Vegas and I just couldn't yes. believe it and it was named Las Vegas before the Nevada Las Vegas or I was like oh that's weird that they picked you know you could pick any name and you pick one that's already out there kind of a thing but those are the things that have been really fun. Yeah. <laughs> that is weird, yeah. I've had a couple of really good brain farts on the road like that, just because, you know, where it's like, this makes no sense that it's only 50 miles away. <laughs> We're in New Mexico. I had another one where I was at a, you know, I'm from Los Angeles. All of our railroad tracks have, like, huge drop-down signs and, you know, blinking red things and things that come out of the ground. Like, you can't cross a railroad track at all. And I was just driving along. There's this big open road and there's this like flashing little red light where there's a train. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is, do I look or do I? <laughs> and like literally while I was stopped kind of saying it out loud, a train flew by doing 80 miles an hour. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I stopped. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Please be careful. <laughs> is it just like, yeah. a, is it a, because fl- it was flashing. And I'm like, is it a, you stop and then go? Or is it, it was just one of those moments where, you know, I was like, I, don't remember this. The driving test was 30 years ago and we never right. had these kind of train tracks in LA. Uh, yeah. I think you slowly start to lose your mind when you're on the road for a long time. At least we have, we've been driving on the road before and we're just like singing to ourselves and just doing our thing. We stop. We're like, what are we doing? We're losing our minds. We've been alone too long. But do you guys are in awe of the people that did it before technology? I mean, to really oh, yeah. get a map out, 
and figure that out and figure exits and, you know, find a uh, pay phone to call a campground. I just don't, I, I'm in such awe of those people. They were able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We, when, when we first got into the van, we um, hit up Boston and we were driving around Boston and we, I didn't have our phone or the GPS on and I ended up down by Paul Revere's house, like almost side swiping. Like it was the worst place to drive a big van and I, I think about that all the time. I'm like, if we didn't have, like, that was me without technology. Technology, Like, I just didn't turn it on. And I'm like, I don't know how people did it before. <laughs> we always say, oh, we need to use our phones less, less on the road and stuff. And just, like, really experience and see where we end up. And we do that sometimes. But, man, that is so much easier said than done because there really is an app for everything and we definitely have relied on those a lot on the road um I don't know sometimes it'd be fun just to like ditch the smartphone do an atlas and see what this what the summer ends up looking like but I don't know that may test us too much <laughs> I don't know about a whole season I might do one trip like I might go yeah. from point A to point B I'll map it out but then Nikki's got to be like no nope, you're messing up you're gonna go into this bridge. Yeah. you gotta you gotta turn around <laughs> Well, here in the wrap up, one of the things I like to do is something I call the high low. And I think it, the point of it is that if you just look at our lifestyle, sometimes from the lens of Instagram, it just looks like it's always a high. Uh, there was a little bit of a trend not too long ago where especially content creators were jumping on kind of the low because uh, I just think, you know, people, they gravitate to that kind of negativity. But for the most part, most people keep things pretty high. So what's been a low, you know, something maybe you didn't expect to have to deal with while being a full-time nomad what's been a low on the road mm. give me a second to think about that yeah, please. COVID aside i guess yeah yeah COVID, covid internet flat tire aside i guess for me for, oh yeah that's good okay I know yeah, you're going back yeah for for me one of the one of the biggest lows um was one of my largest clients actually left and it wasn't anything for like my work or anything like that. It was, they wanted to hire somebody in house to, um, to have close by. And so whether I was traveling or working remotely somewhere else, the, the job would have eventually been gone. And it, it was definitely one of those just kind of big blows of, honestly, it was just more frustrating of we're still on the road. And now this is another variable that I have to, to think about, it, especially being freelance, you know, and traveling full-time you know it's just one more thing to think about of like all right how am I going to replace this part of my income how am I going to find a different client and so um that was probably one of the one of the lows and it was definitely like it brought because we were in such a good place at that point and that I feel like that's always how it happens is you know you're having such a great day like things are looking up and up and then out of the blue you know something like you know it's just like a, a gut punch and so and it brings you back to reality just a little bit. And so it was just one of those learning curves on the road of trying to make sure that, you know, we have all our ducks in the row and then we just keep on pushing and things have turned out well. Um, but it definitely was uh, a hindrance at first. Was this a big account? Do I remember you kind of saying that at the beginning, this was a larger yeah. account for you? Okay. Yeah, it was, it was actually my largest account. Yeah. And so that, that was really the, because if I lost a, you know, a client here or there, you know, or whatever, it was like, okay, fine. I, I would have time to find somebody else. But with my, the largest account, um, it, it was just a, it was just a bigger blow. And that, and it's always a good reminder of making sure not to have all your eggs and, you know, in one basket that, you know, like, like you said earlier, having a d diversified, you know, sort of skill set and income, it, 
it does save your butt in, in the long run. Um, and so especially, especially with it being my biggest client, it, it put a fire kind of underneath me of like, okay, I need to, I need to get this situated out now because things could look very differently in a month or two. So, so real quick, my story is I had a similar situation in 2014 when I was still living in a bricks and sticks. And I mean, you know, within a year it devastated me. I mean, it just was like, I couldn't catch up because of, you know, I was just check to check, you know, trying to live in Los Angeles. Same thing happened in 2018 since I've been on the road and it didn't have that same effect. I mean, it still really sucked. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't put me in a spiral financially because of the, the lifestyle. Was that, would that have been any different for you in the sense if you were still in a renting in Seattle and you lost this client versus this lifestyle, would it, would it have been a lot worse before or is about the same? I think that it would have been a little the same. I think being able to travel full time, it definitely, I mean, with, with our, we can go anywhere and we can like, uh, we could stay in a Walmart parking lot if we really needed to. Right. And so there wasn't that, um, there wasn't that like, um, what's the word I'm trying to find? There's no landlord knocking on the door. We did have a, we did have a loan on a Mercedes van that we were still paying, but that payment was a fraction of what we were paying in Seattle. So Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. I, and, I mean, like, and so, yeah, you're right. It wasn't that big of a, yeah, it did suck. But I wasn't nearly as stressed out about it because the worst thing, I mean, worst case scenario, I have to pull into a town and get a part-time job somewhere. You know, worst case scenario, I never get a client ever again. You know, nobody wants to hire me for digital work or, you know, or any for marketing or whatever. Um, then I just go get a I pull into a town and get a part-time job and I can at least pay for rent and food. And that's, that was it. So it definitely wasn't as bad. And I think you touched on it earlier, how, you know, depending on where you're from living on the road, like we are, can save you money. Now, if you're from somewhere other than like LA or Seattle, it may look differently, but for us, yeah, we've been able to put away more money while living on the road. And so I think that was sort of our safety net is like van life is a little bit lower risk than renting and having a landlord or a mortgage or something. Um, so we're really thankful that, you know, we have been saving, but it did, we definitely still felt that for a couple of months until we recouped it. But, um, yeah, I, I said, answer the question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And good luck with that repo. You know what I mean? Like if you did stop making payments, them trying to find you. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> he won't hey, believe what we've done with that van. <laughs> we have, uh, we have your address here in Seattle on Capitol Hill. Is that where you guys are looking? No, sorry. Good luck with that. <laughs> no, I haven't been there in months. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the high then. Um, What's been kind of, the, I can't believe this is my life moment. If you can pin down one that you guys have been where you just were like, I can't believe we get to live this life. I think it's for me every time we see somewhere new on the map that we want to go to and we just say, okay, let's go. And we hop in the car and just drive. Or, you know, a couple of times being in the van, we've just seen a good flight deal and we said, okay, let's buy those tickets because we can, you know, we're saving more money and we work remotely and you know, just the freedom. It's like, wow, I can't believe that everything I ever, like growing up, all I ever wanted to do is travel. I wanted to be a National Geographic photographer. And I think, you know, this is just letting us live or letting me live that dream in just a different way than what I ever imagined. So every time we get to, you know, spontaneously do something that just feeds that adventurous side of my, my personality, it's just like, whoa, this is real life. And it's pretty incredible. Now, if people want to reach out, I know we talked about a little bit before, but, and I'll link all this down below. But where can people find you? We are, uh, I'm trying to think of what our handles are. Um, we are on YouTube. Um, our handle is Let's Be Us. And then we're on Instagram at Let's Be underscore us. 
And then our website is letsbe.us. Earlier when you said it, you said it fast. I mean, earlier in the episode, and I thought you said let's BS. And I was like, that's awesome. Let's see that. But I mean, I knew the name, but it's the first time I heard you say it really fast. And I'm like, let's totally bullshit. Let's just, let's just lie about everything. I think so. It's not that, but I'll link everything down below and you can find Chris and Sarah. And Chris, Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the show and hanging out and, um, you know, just telling your story. It was great to hear about it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Well, another fun episode, and hopefully you enjoyed hearing from a couple that is not only working while traveling, they're obviously running their own business and growing their own brand to encourage people to hit the road themselves. Don't forget you can find them on Instagram by searching let's be underscore us, or just click on their links in the show notes on your podcast player. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you like the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag rootless living, we'll share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, 